Good morning. Thank you all for being here today, and it's a lovely day outside. I hope that everybody had a good Bible class like we did here in the auditorium. To start off the morning, we've had a good worship so far. I appreciate Kyle selecting those songs. When he asked me on Wednesday what I was preaching about, all I told him was the devil. So uh, he did a, did a good job selecting those with very limited guidance. Uh, for those visiting today, uh, just to touch on what Jimmy mentioned, I'm not the regular preacher here. Uh, we've got two men who do a wonderful job uh, preaching the gospel, Brother Ken Welliver and, uh, and Brother Ben Lee. So I'd invite you to come back another time and be able to hear them. They do a, a really wonderful job. But today I'll be doing my best. I know Braden will do an excellent job this evening. And I have full confidence that when we open up our Bibles and we study God's Word that we're all going to be edified. So... Um, I'd also like to clarify, I guess I should ask somebody for a tutorial on how to work the clicker here. All right, there we go. So our, our title, if you looked in the bulletin, is Job's Devil. It's not your job is the devil, so don't get excited. You do have to go to work tomorrow. Uh, you can't call in sick. You can't just quit altogether. There's a number of passages that point to the fact that uh, we are supposed to work, and in fact, it's a command, and God asks that we work as to him, not, un, not unto men as men pleasers. So uh, if you quit your job or you've already emailed your boss, you can't claim religious reasons for, for doing that. So I just wanted to clarify that on the outset. Now, what I wanted to talk about this morning is that uh, I feel sometimes we may have a, a misconception of the devil. Um, so I wanted to use some visual aids here to maybe frame our minds and, and see what our thoughts are about the devil. So here we have a, a cartoonish picture of the devil. And maybe this is what people think of when you say the devil. It's a, a red character and he's got a pointy tail and a pitchfork and a pointy goatee. And he's not very intimidating. It's more of a, a cartoon figure. Or maybe you think of something a, a little bit more intimidating, something a little more terrifying, this, this monstrous beast sitting on a throne in hell, supervising the suffering and torment of those who have been condemned there. Uh, but I think in our society, we are a bit confused because certain sports teams have even adopted the devil as a mascot. And it's often cartoonish and non-threatening, but this is really not an accurate depiction, any of these things of what the devil truly is. So this morning, what I hope to help us to remember is that the devil is real. Um, he's not a, a fictional character. He's not um, down in hell just waiting on us to show up so that he can torment us. Um, he is very active and he is out seeking those souls whom he can corrupt. So if you want to open up your Bibles and turn to the book of Job, we're going to begin our study there. Uh, generally, when we study Job, um, we're looking at the character of the man, Job, uh, for whom this book is written, and for good reason. He's, he's a man of great character, of great faith, and we read in the, the first two chapters here of how he was tormented, and, and he had built a great deal of wealth, but that was all taken away from him. He lost his family. Uh, he even suffered physical torment, but when we studied this about a year ago, I noticed a few verses in here that, that got me to thinking. Um, so I wanted to draw from those, and I think if we take a different look uh, here at the beginning of the book of Job, we may be able to see um, a few attributes of the devil. 
So if you look with me, we'll start um, in Job chapter 1 and verse 7. Uh, and the first thing I wanted to notice here about the devil is that he's active. And the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. So I mentioned at the beginning this false idea that Satan is down in hell waiting on us to show up. Uh, and what we see here is that that's clearly not the case. Uh, if you'll also uh, think of 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8, um, Satan is described there as a roaring lion seeking those, those whom he might devour. If you've ever watched uh, National Geographic or any sort of um, documentary on lions, they spend the bulk of their time resting or laying around relaxing, and the only time when they really get up and move around is when they're seeking food. So when Satan's described as a lion, to me that displays to us that this walking about to and fro on the earth is not just a mindless wandering around. This is an active predatory seeking of those whom he, whom he will corrupt. He is, he is stalking us. So we need to, to keep that in mind. He, he's seeking out those whom he can corrupt. The second attribute I'd like to look at is that when he is up, when he is roaming the earth, he is seeking the blameless. Let's look at Job 1 and verse 8. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil? So Satan is looking specifically for God-fearing, God-following people. We can see here in Job that that's what attracted him to Job, the fact that he was a blameless and a righteous man. The devil wanted to corrupt him. Satan isn't interested in the people of the world, the people who are in bed right now, maybe were out too late last night partying, the people who got up this morning and maybe planning to go to the lake since it's a beautiful day. Satan doesn't need to pursue those folks. He already has them. He's already corrupted them and captured them. The people that he is after are, are the people that are here in this building that are seeking God, that want to follow God and obey him. That's who the devil hopes to catch and who he is actively looking for. The third attribute we can look at is also found here in Job. A couple of passages very similar, uh, Job chapter 1 and verse 6, and then also in chapter 2 verse 1. It reads, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. I found these two verses really interesting. Um, we read a lot as we study our Bible. Uh, one of the, the common themes that's there is this battle between good and evil, um, between um, Satan and Christ. And generally when there are two parties that are at war with each other, especially parties that are completely adverse to one another, that hate each other, have nothing in common with each other. You don't see them have this kind of, of common interaction. But here it's described as a devil just walking right up to God. That's bold. To be the most evil being on earth and walk right up to God, the most powerful being in all creation. So what does that look like in our everyday lives? Well, when's the last time you turned on your TV? Think of the amount of completely inappropriate content that's on our TVs. Sex, violence, 
promotion of drug use, greed, envy, celebration of homosexuality and transgenderism, undermining of the family, and the list goes on and on. And I'm just talking about commercials. Think about it. All those things I listed are in commercials that we commonly see, and I'm not even talking about the main programming that's on there. These are sins. But the devil has captured enough minds that these things are are commonplace. They're no longer viewed as shameful acts. They're put right out there open, right out in the open. And oftentimes they're accepted and even celebrated. So sin is being used to sell products and lifestyles. The devil's not hidden. He's bold. He's right out in the open. The fourth and final attribute I'd like to look at here of the devil um, is seen in Job is that he's unrelenting. So let's look at Job chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil? And still he holds fast to his integrity, although you incited me against him to destroy him without cause. So Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, for skin yes, all that a man has he will give for his life. But stretch out your hand now and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will surely curse you to your face. So we see in Job chapter 1 that Job had lost his children. He lost his material wealth. All of his, his possessions, his things were, were taken away from him. Uh, it's a hard thing to imagine, the loss of all of that. And we also uh, note in Job chapter 4 and verse 7 that if we resist the devil, he'll flee from us. And we have a good example of that here in Job. He suffered all these things uh, in chapter 1, but he remained faithful to God. But this attribute that we see of the devil is that despite taking all these things away from Job, he came back because he had not completed his mission. He had not been able to corrupt Job. So in chapter 2, he comes back to continue this torment by uh, taking away his physical health. Well, as long as we're faithful to God, we'll always be Satan's prey. He has all the time in the world to tempt us and to try us. He'll never tire. He'll never give up. Rather, he's going to continue to pursue us as long as we live. So, talking about Job's devil... The bad news is that the devil we see in Job is the same devil that we have today, the same adversary that we face today, and he is quite a formidable foe. But there are ways to overcome the devil. So I'd like to to make a few points in that regard so that we're not all leaving here discouraged today. Um, So let's look at uh, a few points, a few ways that we might be able to overcome the devil. The first I'd like to point out is that... um, we never lose faith in God. Can you imagine facing what Job faced? Loss of your children, loss of all your material wealth, the loss of your own personal health to the point where you are in constant physical pain. Yet, Job suffered all these things, and he never lost faith in God. If you look with me uh, in Job chapter 19... Job 19, we'll read verses 25 through 27. 
For I know that my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand at last on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh I I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another, how my heart yearns within me. Does that sound like a man that's lost faith in God? Or does that sound like a man that has lost everything but his faith in God? That's why Job is remembered as a great man of faith. We see that in James 5, chapter 5, and verse 11. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. How often have we faced trials and struggled to overcome them? I know that I've failed to maintain the proper level of faith in my life when I've faced certain trials and temptations. How many times have we seen people fall away from the faith when the burdens of this life get too heavy for them? Well, it shouldn't be that way. In fact, it should be the opposite. When life gets hard, the weight of our trials bear down on us, we should rely even more on our faith. That's one of the great benefits of our relationship with God. Now, this faith that we're to have, it should be an act of faith. So if you'll read with me uh, in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Let's look at uh, verses 30 through 40. And then the first verse of chapter 12. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, Turned to fight, excuse me, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trials of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves on earth. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise, God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Our Excuse me, our faith should strengthen us to the point of action. Think of the trials that God's people have faced in the past. This is an incredible list. We read these things, but I think we fail to realize that these were real people. This isn't a fairy tale or a work of fiction. These are real people that suffered through these things. But due to their faith in God, they were empowered to see it through. We're capable of doing the same thing if we have the proper faith in God.
Point number two. How can we overcome the devil? We can be prepared. So we've already mentioned 1 Peter 5 and 8. Uh, We'll read it again. It says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Now we know Satan is walking, he's roaming the earth, he's stalking us. He's looking for an opening to attack, trying to find a moment of weakness where he can tempt us and try us and turn us away from God. Now if you knew that a physical lion were in your neighborhood, when you left the house in the morning, would you have your face buried in your cell phone? Or would you be alert and prepared and ready to take action when that lion came and tried to attack you? it's me, I'm going to have my head on a swivel. I'm going to be ready. So why not treat the devil the same way? Because what he's trying to take from us is more than than what a physical lion would take from us. He's trying to take our souls. If you'll turn with me to Matthew chapter 4, we see a great, excuse me, a great example of preparedness. Matthew chapter 4, we'll read uh, verses 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, afterward he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. And the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Jesus, weakened by hunger and exhaustion, was tempted directly by Satan. Was he prepared? Absolutely. He had a scripture to answer everything Satan threw at him. It's a great example to us. We can be prepared by studying our Bibles, and by putting it into active use in our lives. The problem with being prepared is that it takes effort. It means we need to attend services. It means that we need to read and study our Bible on our own. It means that we need to pray. We need to be involved in spiritual things to keep our mind free from sin. We need to understand our weaknesses and what tempts us and prepare a way to deal with them. If we can do these things... We'll be prepared when the devil strikes. The third thing I'd like to look at in regard to how to overcome the devil is that we can ask others for help. In the book of Job, we see a negative example um, in the form of Job's wife and his friends Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. We're warned about how we, about who we are to surround ourselves with In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 33 through 34, Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Awake to righteousness and do not sin. 
for some do not have the knowledge of God. Thankfully, Job was strong enough to overcome these negative influences. But it is recommended that we avoid accompanying ourselves with those who will lead us down the wrong path. If that's true in everyday life, how much more so when we're facing trials and temptations? Often, when we're facing these trials and temptations, from those in the world, the advice that they would give to us would be to focus on yourself or maybe even to, to drown your sorrows or to, to go in a totally different direction. They're definitely, well, I say definitely. Odds on they're not going to take you in a biblical direction. So who do we go to during these times? Now let's look at Paul's instructions to the church in Galatia. In Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2, he tells them to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Where to go to each other? We bear each other's burdens. If we look at the New Testament church, Acts chapter 2, verses 44 through 47. This is something we touched on this morning in Bible class. Acts chapter 2. Verses 44 through 47. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. It's a really wonderful passage. This is the beginning of the church as we talked about this morning. And you, you look at this and the amount of time that they spent together, the interaction that they had together, the singleness of mind, the excitement that they had to be together. This is how we should be. And we should be together, communicate with each other, rely on each other in good times and in bad. I'd also suggest that we don't have to wait until the temptation comes to ask others for help. We need to be open to discussing our weaknesses with our brothers and sisters in Christ. This will help us be prepared. If we wait until the lion attacks and then call for help, it may be too late. But if we ask for help in advance, we either be prepared, maybe avoid an attack altogether, or, or at least be able to deal with it when that comes. The final point I want to make about how we can overcome the devil is that we can ask God for help. If you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, it reads, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. God knows that we're going to be tempted and tried on this earth, but he is always with us, and he also, also always provides a way of escape. However, we may have to seek this escape. It may not be easy. It may not come without cost or without pain, but we're promised that that escape will be there. We just need to take it. Sometimes a preparation we talked about in point number two, that may help provide this escape for us. But we can never make the excuse that the temptation was too great, that there was no alternative but to sin. That escape is always there. 
Let's look at James chapter 4, verses 7 through 10. Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. We're also told that if we flee the devil and draw near to God, that he'll draw near to us. It's a very comforting thought that we have the most powerful being in all creation, and he is on our side. And if we're willing to draw near to him, that he's going to draw near to us. It makes sense if we're drawing near to God that we're moving away from Satan. So if we know that this lion is out there pursuing us and we're seeking protection, then we need to be moving towards God. Now, we did talk about earlier the fact that Satan is unrelenting. So this isn't a one-time movement in God's direction. This is a continual pursuit of God. We need to always be in search of God, always be obedient to him, because any pause, any lapse that we have, and we open ourselves up to an attack from Satan. So in closing, to review, we've seen that the devil is active. He wants to corrupt the blameless. He is bold. He is unrelenting. The devil is a formidable foe. He's been around since the beginning of the world. And the success of his techniques are evident. As I mentioned before, when you leave here today, just take a look around. Think about what you're watching on TV, social media. It's all around us. But there are ways to overcome him. By never losing faith, by being prepared, by asking others for help, and by asking God for help. The devil is formidable, but he's not as powerful as God. God loves us and has provided his word to us, and he's provided our church family. And he's provided himself as a means to defeat the devil. And if we seek him out, he will help us. So I would invite anyone here today who is struggling with the trials and temptations of life, or maybe someone who has succumbed to these trials and temptations, to come forward and repent from those things and seek help. And I can assure you that there are people here who will love you, who will help you, who will support you as you deal with those things. So if there's anyone here who needs the help of this congregation, I would invite you to come forward now as we stand and sing.